good to see everybody tonight on a holiday weekend. I'm glad that you are here. We're going to have a good time tonight. I, um, this message that I have, like I said this morning, I don't know if there's a more important message for Christians to hear. And so open your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 3. Look at verse 6. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Look at verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. And his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, help us now as we study your word. And Lord, this Christianity 101 series is so important. And I don't know that there's a more important subject than this. So, Father, help us tonight as we understand the nature of man. In Jesus' name, amen. So, confusion on this subject has led to many of the divisions in Christianity. Now, this passage, if you look at verse 6, it says, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not, whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Now, We have a problem. Is there anyone in here who doesn't sin? So what does this passage say? Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Does that mean that you're not abiding in Christ? You see, here is the issue that separates the holiness movement and Roman Catholicism and any of the works-based faith from a grace-based faith like we have. Let's look at some of the confusion that we've seen. This is from St. Augustine. He said, When you shall have been baptized, keep a good life in the commandments of God so that you may preserve your baptism to the very end. That's helpful, isn't it? He said, I do not tell you that you will live here without sin, but they are venial sins which this life is never, never without. Baptism was instituted for all sins, for light sins without which we cannot live. Uh, For light sins, without which we cannot live, prayer was instituted. But do not commit those sins on account of which you would have to be separated from the body of Christ. Perish the thought. What sins can you commit that would cause you to be separated from the body of Christ? There aren't any. But to Augustine, there are. For those whom you see doing penance have committed crimes, either adultery or some other enormities. That is why they are doing penance. If their sins were light, daily prayer would suffice to blot them out. Aren't you glad 1 John says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you glad the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The Bible is so clear on this, you'd have to be Augustine to be wrong on it. Um, In the church, therefore, there are three ways in which sins are forgiven. In baptisms, in prayer and in the greater humility of penance. This is from his sermon to catechetimians on the creed. It is, this kind of teaching is so, so dangerous. How many of you grew up under something like this? You felt confident in your salvation, didn't you? It's just awful that people live like this for years and for years and for years. So that's Augustine. Augustine had a disciple many years later whose name was John Calvin. I didn't take the time to put this in, um, 
in a slide, but so you'll just have to listen to this. Under John Calvin in Geneva, once a month, rich and poor, the powerful and the weak, had to submit to the questioning of professional police demurs for hours since the ordinances declared that such examination must be done in leisurely fashion. So the, the police would come in and question you about your spiritual life under the wonderful John Calvin. Now, remember, I'm sure that some of you have read things this week on different blogs about how we got our religious liberty from John Calvin. Liar, liar, pants on fire. If this is liberty, I don't want it. Um, he said this, white-haired, respectable, tried, and hitherto trusted men must be examined like schoolboys as to whether they knew the prayers by heart or as to why they had failed to attend one of Master Calvin's sermons. Seriously. It's the police. Why weren't you at church? How about that? But with such catechizing and moralizing, the visitation was by no means at an end. The members of this moral cheka, that's a, a group that's in charge, thrust fingers into every pie. They felt the women's dresses to see whether their skirts were not too long or too short, whether these garments had superfluous frills or dangerous slits. The police carefully inspected the coiffure to see that it did not tower too high. Got that hair too. Lydia had hers up on her head. Where's she at? She... No, it's kind of on the back of your head now. You're okay. Um, they counted the rings on the victim's fingers and looked to see how many pairs of shoes there were in the cupboard. From the bedroom, they passed onto the kitchen table to ascertain whether the prescribed diet was not being exceeded by a soup or a course of meat, or whether sweet jams, uh, sweets and jams were hidden uh, away somewhere. Can you imagine if, if I came to your house to see if you got too many sweets? I'd eat them. That's the only thing you'd have to worry about with me coming over. Um, let's see. Then the pious policeman would continue his examination of the rest of the house. He pried into bookshelves on the chance of there being some book devoid of the consistory's imprimatur. The servants were asked about behavior of their masters, and the children were cross-examined as to the doings of their parents. It, it just goes on and on and on. Um, let's see. The only uh, tolerated attire was sober and almost monkish. The tailors, therefore, were forbidden unless they had special permission from the town authorities to cut in accordance with the new fashions. Girls were forbidden to wear silk before they reached the age of 15. Above that age, they were not allowed to wear velvet. Lace was forbidden, gloves were forbidden, frills and slashed shoes were forbidden. Forbidden was the use of litters, that's a kind of carriage, and of wheeled carriages. Forbidden were family feasts to which more than 20 persons had been invited. Who cares? It, that's Calvin. So do you see how you've got the, the Catholic legalism under Augustine, and then Calvin called his system Reformed Augustinianism, and so now you end up with a kind of legalism under Calvin. And there's certainly no liberty. So out of that grew a response to it, and the response to Calvinism was Methodism. So you know that John and Charles Wesley, they founded a movement that was the opposite of Reformed theology, which is Calvin, Calvinistic and predestinarian. The opposite side of that would be something that's Arminian and very much a works-based faith. 
And those who got wrapped up in that kind of teaching, they had issues as well. H.A. Um, Ironside described the t- this type of disillusionment after having labored for years under the holiness teaching, teachings of the Salvation Army. So William Booth and his wife, they were both preachers. They, they had that Methodist and holiness flavor to them. But again, you had to behave in a certain way in order to maintain your salvation. And listen to what Ironside said about it. Now, remember H.A. Ironside, he became pastor of the Moody Church in Chicago. He was an amazing commentator, and I'd recommend a lot of his material still today. But he said this, I reasoned that the Bible promised entire relief from indwelling sin uh, to all who were wholly surrendered to the will of God. Now, he does promise relief from our sin, doesn't he? Know what God promises us? That I had thus surrendered seemed to me certain. Why then had I not been fully delivered from the carnal mind? It seemed to me that I had not, or that I had met every condition and that God on his part had failed to perform what he had promised. So that's H.A. Ironside, holiness, true and false. Do you see what he's saying? I've done everything the Bible has asked of me, and yet I still have sin. So apparently God didn't do what he was supposed to do. No, he had been taught a false understanding of the nature of man after salvation. It's really important. God uses several pictures to describe the believer as two men. Two men, the inner man and the outer man. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is one of those messages that I need to preach every year and several times a year. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And look at verse 16. For the which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So we have an outward man and a new or and an inward man. Two men. Two men. The outward and the inward. The outward is perishing, and the inward is kept by the Holy Spirit. So it's very clear, the outward is my physical body. It's perishing every day. So now I've kind of reached a point where the lines in the face are starting to happen. And um, What's that chest of drawers disease, where your chest goes down into your drawers? (laughs) That's what happens when you you get to a certain age. The, The outward man is perishing every day. I'll tell you what, I had a great blessing today. There were two different golf tournaments. There's the, there's the PGA tournament, and all these guys are ripped and buff. And then there's the senior tour, and they all look like me. It was awesome, man. I think every one of those guys had a gut. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> See, my inward man is completely new. My inward man is renewed day by day and will be throughout all eternity. This outward man will need to be changed because it is perishing. So this is vital to understand. Go back to 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, to uh, 1 John chapter 3. And if you will, just keep your ribbon there at 1 John chapter 3. Remember what it says. Whosoever abideth in him, in verse 6, 1 John 3, 6. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. So... My inward man does not sin. Verse 9, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. That's my inward man. My outward man, 
go to 1 John chapter 1 and look at verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Inward man has no sin. Outward man is just full of sin. You see, my body has not been saved yet. That will be saved in the resurrection. But my inward man is saved and sinless. That is a blessing. My inward man. Two men. All right. So now, let's look at this. Look at Galatians 2.20. One of my favorite verses, it says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the what? The flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I have a life that is in this flesh. But this flesh is dying every day. But my life is in this flesh. So the good news is that I get to go to heaven. The bad news is I've got to be in this body until then. Right? Go to Romans chapter 7. All right, let's start reading in verse 22. Look at verse 21. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the what? The inward man. But I see another war in my, another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Notice what he says, the body. Of this death. My, my inward man is, is fine, but my outward man it is just sinful. Can, can we testify today? I'm feeling a little sinful up here and lonely. How many of you here struggle with sin? Anybody? Any of you? You see, all of us have that struggle. Sometimes you look at somebody and you say, Dan knew never sins. How many of you have honestly thought that before? Seriously. Look, look. Look at Dodie shaking her head. She's such a Pharisee. Everyone, all of us, struggle with sin. That's the flesh. That's the two men that you are made up of if you're saved. You have the inward man and the outward man. Now, if you're lost, if you're not saved, you don't have that inward man. You're just lost. All you have is your flesh. When the Bible says, in you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins in Ephesians chapter 2. You were dead in your sin. When you get saved, you're made spiritually alive. That's where that inward man is born. That's born again. That's where that begins. So what we see is that there is a battle between the two men, two persons, two beings, two births, two sets of beliefs, two sets of desires. So you have your physical birth and then you have your new birth. You have the inward man, you have the outward man. You have the spiritual desires of the inward man and the fleshly desires of the outward man. And that is going to be your struggle until the Lord takes you out of here. 
That's where we're going to live. And so this is why this foundational truth in the Christian life, it's vital for us so that we're able to have our joy in the Christian life. Because I know a lot of people, so I've been around this all of my life. I grew up in fundamentalist churches and some more legalistic than others. And I saw young people, one after another, fall away. And they'd fall away because they simply could not be the person that they were required to be. And so they believed that they could no longer be Christian. How many of you have known people that are like that? You know what, guys? Good news. You don't have to live up to a standard. Christ in you is the hope of glory. If you'll walk in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will live up to that standard for you. And then you won't fulfill the lusts of your flesh because you're trying to please the Lord Jesus Christ, not any particular man. Now, look, none of us want to disappoint our parents. Amen. And I hope you don't want to disappoint your pastor, your youth pastor, or the people that have influenced you. That's a good thing not to want to disappoint those people. But if the basis of your Christian life is not to disappoint your parents, you've got a problem. The basis of your Christian life needs to be love, that you love the Lord Jesus Christ and you need his help to do right. And he will. He'll help you. Isn't that a blessing? That's liberty. That's freedom. So two births, two sets of beliefs, two sets of desires, two sets of loyalties. You know, you can be loyal to this world. I mentioned it this morning. Some people put their patriotism above Christ. That's a false loyalty. That's that's getting your priorities out of whack. Two masters. Oh, man. What does the Bible say? You can't serve two masters because you'll love the one and you'll hate the other. You'll cling to the one and you'll despise the other. And I'll tell you what, God's a lot better master than your flesh is because your flesh will lead you to destruction. All right. Paul pictures this perfectly. Look at Philippians 3.10. Philippians 3.10. So Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection... And the fellowship of his sufferings, look at this, being made conformable unto his death. Now, what was being made conformable unto his death? He died as the perfect sacrifice for us. That's his state when he died. He was perfect. That's what Paul wants to be, is perfect. Isn't that a good goal? Are you going to reach it in this life? No, but that was his goal. If by any means, verse 11, I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now, look at what he says. Not as though I had already attained... Either we're already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which... Look it. Also, I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. What is he saying? I want to live up to what Jesus has done for me. Jesus has already given me that perfection. My desire now is to live up to it. What is it? Living up to it, that's the outward man. The spiritual man is what Christ has already done for you. All right, look at verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as... What? Be perfect? What did he just say? Look at verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. And then he says, let us who are perfect. What's he talking about? The inward man and the outward man. See, when you understand these two concepts, it unlocks the Scriptures for us to understand what a blessing, what an amazing thing, what an amazing gift God has given us in this 
new man. Let us, therefore, verse 15, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So, this is such a wonderful passage. Oh, verse 16, nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. We always talk at Grace Baptist about thinking the same thing and speaking the same thing and being in one mind. How can we do that? By obeying the Scriptures, by surrendering surrendering to and submitting to the Scriptures. All right, so he makes that clear. Even more clear is 1 John 3, 6 through 9. Okay, so this is where we started. Let's go back there. 1 John 3, 6. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. But he that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he, uh, he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. Isn't that awesome? What a blessing that is. Then, we need to remember, go to Ephesians chapter 2. I quoted the first verse a few minutes ago. Ephesians 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. Ephesians 2, 1 through 6. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. And remember, what's the illustration? Somebody tell me what illustration I'm going to talk about with the course of this world. The kids driving the car at Disneyland. Right? How many of you remember the first time you got to drive a car at Disney World or something like that? Man, you thought that you were so big. And you could let your, and we were happy to let our kids drive the car, first of all, because it's someone else's car. And second, because they could do the, the gas, they could do the steering wheel, they could do the brake, they did it all, but the car was on a rail. And so, the, the, you know, the kids really thought they were driving, right? They really thought they were in control of it. Like the, like the uh, star, like the commercial, the Volkswagen commercial with the kid with his Darth Vader costume and his dad sitting inside with the remote. Kid's freaking out, right? Kid thought he was in charge. That's what the world thinks. The world thinks they're in charge of their lives. But they're walking according to the course of this world. Yeah, they have some liberty. They have some freedom. But ultimately, they're in bondage. They're on a path that will lead to destruction and death. And that's where everyone is. Wherein in time past, verse 2, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of, of disobedience. That's Satan. Among whom also, it's not that we're better. Look at what it says. Among whom also, we all had our conversation in times past. Now remember conversation, that's our life. That's our interaction. And it says in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved. Remember, quickened is made alive. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Praise the Lord. Here's the deal. I am seated with Christ in heavenly places right now. You guys, if you're saved, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places right now. That's the inward man. That's the new man. Praise the Lord. Now, this can become a really painful struggle because you get to where you're trying to live the Christian life and your flesh is just weak. Have you all heard that verse, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak? Right? That's how I feel when I play basketball now. <laughs> the spirit's willing but the flesh is weak. 
Let's look at Romans 8, 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Look at this. Into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, look at what it says, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. What is that? To wit, the redemption of our body. You ever just get tired of the sin that's in this world? You watch the news, you, you see some things. Um, General Mattis was just talking about, you know, they're trying to make it work out so transgenders can serve in the military and all of that. You know, you think things are getting better, but President Trump's not going to do anything for us on the gay agenda. I hope the religious liberty aspect he helps us with. But you understand that this world's just going to get worse and worse and worse. That's the direction it's headed. Do you know what we're looking for? We're looking for the redemption of the body. What is that? That's when he takes us out. That's the rapture of the church. Praise the Lord. That's what we are looking for. All right, look at um, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. It's going to be fun. We get the new building. I'm going to have a monitor so that I can see what's happening on the screen without having to turn around. Wouldn't that be cool? All right, Philippians chapter 3. Look at verse 20. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. Isn't that a wonderful passage? He's going to change us. Our conversation, our life, we need not be so married to this world. That's where the struggle comes from. So we've talked about the two men, the inward man and the outward man. Now let's look at the three men. There are three different types of people that are defined in Scripture. So you are, you have an inward man, and an outward man if you're saved. You all with me on this? You have an inward man and an outward man. Now let's look at the three different types of people that the Bible describes. So the first is the natural man. The natural man. That's the unsaved man. All right, look with me. At Ephesians chapter 2. And look at verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So this natural man, this natural man, he's lost. He's just controlled by his body. He's controlled by his fleshly desires. Now remember, we have had a society that has restrained those desires. You know, the, the, by law, you couldn't dress a certain way. You know, the way that Christians dress now, they would have been arrested for a few years ago. Right? You had a culture that kept things uh, in, in place. Uh, those types of things. Now that culture is gone. We're in a post-Christian culture now. And really, anything goes. And so now we have to be controlled by the Spirit of God because the government's not going to do it for us. 
Um, now, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians. Do I have 2 Corinthians up there? I think it's 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 2, and look at verse 13. I guess we need to look at verse 12 for the context. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. <clears throat> now, look at verse 14. But... The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So we live in a world that's a natural world. We're trying to live as Christians, and they can't understand us. They think we're crazy, right? And here's the problem. We want them to understand us. And this is where Christians begin to capitulate to the world. Because, man, if I'm so much different than the rest of the world, I must be the problem. No, no. The world is full of the natural man, and they're never going to understand the things of God. Get used to it. Now, what can we learn about this? The natural man. Well, the natural man, the desires of the flesh control him. That's the world. And let me give you an example of this, how it's... That filters into Christianity. Christian parents expect their children to behave as animals when they go to college. How many of you ever heard something like that? Oh, they're just going to behave this way. It's what they're going to do because they're animals, right? They can't control themselves. They get in the rut and they have to behave a certain way. That's insane. Amen? See, we've got to get away from this worldly thinking. We are not animals, Especially if we're walking in the Spirit. All right? Man, it got real quiet in here. Let me try that again. We're not animals, especially if we're walking in the Spirit. Amen. Amen. The desires of flesh control him. He's governed by his physical senses. You know, we're supposed to see the unseen. We're supposed to be living in the realm of heaven, of spiritual things. Set your affection on things above. Our conversation is not in this world, but our conversation is in heaven. Isn't that what we just read in the book of Philippians? The world, man, everything is controlled by the senses. Then, he has no spiritual discernment. No spiritual discernment. The, the, the spiritual things, he can't understand them. What does the text say? It says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither, look at this, can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Have you ever had a lost person say, I wish I had what you have? I've had them say that to me. We have simple trust. We have simple faith. We believe God. Why can't they understand that? Because they don't have the Spirit of God. They need the Spirit of God. And we do too, amen? But what about the spiritual man? So the first man is the natural man. The second man is the spiritual man. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at verse 13. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But look at this. But 
He that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. So the spiritual man is different than the natural man. The spiritual man is a man of discernment. He actually does judge things. Hey, that's wrong. I'm not going to do that. That's wrong. I'm not going to participate in that. The whole world might go wrong. But as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. See, that's the, that's the spiritual man. He's able to have discernment. He knows what things is going to hurt his family. She knows what things are going to hurt their family. This Christian makes all decision based on one consideration. What does the Bible say? Isn't that good? What is that? We're taking off the world's glasses and we're putting on biblical glasses, right? This is the Christian's. All decisions are based on one consideration. What does the Bible say? This Christian lives for others. Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are what? Spiritual. Restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You see, this puts to death the idea that Christians are mean, People who are spiritual, they're mean and unforgiving. No, the, the spiritual man, his, his whole life is based on seeing things through Scripture, and that's his relationship with God. And then his relationship with man is to see him restored. Right? If they're lost, they need to be saved. If they're saved and living in a worldly way, he wants to see them brought back to the Lord Jesus Christ and back to faithful service. That's what the spiritual person wants. Amen. Y'all look tired tonight. Y'all are tired this morning. I was tired this morning. Man, went to bed early. Went to bed at 10. About 12, 15, I finally got up. I couldn't get to sleep. Just laying there. Playing golf in my head. Just uh, That's what was happening. And then, see, and it, but if I start thinking about my sermon, I'll never go to sleep. So I think about that for a minute. So I got up about 12, 15 or whatever. And about 2 o'clock, 2, 15, went back to bed. Just laid there. So this morning, getting up here, I had to preach. I'm so tired. I need a five-hour energy or something. I was dragging. But then once you start, you get into it, and it's wonderful. This truth is so important for us to get. Anybody tired tonight? Jay's about to go to sleep here on the front row. I can see it. He's doing good, though. He's staying awake. He's fighting it. Look, this, this is such important truth. Here, let's, let's get it done. The Christian enjoys God and is at peace. Do you enjoy God? That's an interesting question, isn't it? How many of you, as a Christian, after you were saved, there were times when you were not enjoying God? Right? If you're not living right, you're not enjoying God. Because He is convicting you and possibly chastening you. I've been there, man. That is a bummer. And look, I'm not saying that you're in deep sin. You're just not where you're supposed to be. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? See, the spiritual man, this Christian enjoys God and is at peace. Let's look at Romans 8, 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Isn't that wonderful? Life and peace. So don't raise your hand here. Is there somebody here that you're not at peace? Something's going on in your life, you're not at peace. Do you know what that means? You're not being spiritually minded. Now, man, if you just got diagnosed with cancer, you know, a, a family member is sick, you've got a serious problem at work or a relationship problem, I understand that you're going to have stress and anxiety and all of those things. That's what it means to live in the world. 
But do you recognize that you have access to peace? And when you go to seek for that peace, do you find it? You see, the spiritual person finds it. Um, This Christian exhibits the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness. All of those things, that fruit of the Spirit. That's what the spiritual person exhibits. But what about the carnal man? The carnal man. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So what's the difference? The natural man is lost. The spiritual man is the saved person walking in the Spirit. The carnal man is the spiritual person walking in the flesh. I'm sorry, the saved person walking in the flesh. You see that? Natural man is lost. Spiritual man is saved, walking in the Spirit. The carnal man is a saved person walking in the flesh. How many of you know saved people walking in the flesh? You know some people like that? I wonder if it's you. I wonder if it's me. For they, verse verse 5 again, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Look at verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's at war. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Um, I have seen, and some of you may have seen it, have you ever seen a church split? Now, praise God, I don't think we've ever had one. might be one tonight, but to this point, I don't know that we've ever had one. We've had small trickles away, but I don't think we've ever had a church split in the history of Grace Baptist Church. That's, that's a really wonderful thing. But if you've ever been around something like that, it is amazing how awful Christians can behave toward each other. It's an awful thing. Has anyone here ever seen that? It is awful to see that. That's why it's important that we remain spiritual and that we maintain that spiritual mind. James Knox wrote this, Though delivered from death, raised to walk in newness of life, and given deliverance from the former lusts, the carnal man lives as though he were still dead. He thinks on the things he thought on when he was dead. He is interested in the things he was interested in when he was dead. The Bible never replaced television. The church never replaced sports. Modesty never replaced fashion. Humility never replaced pride. Witnessing never replaces gossip. How about that? Do you see? Isn't that just a perfect picture of the carnal Christian? And I, I dare say that I think all of us might find ourselves somewhere in that list. How many of you saw yourself somewhere in there? Would you be honest enough? Wow. And I'm with you. I'm there. The soul is saved, but the mind still wanders about in the tombs. You know, it's like the maniac of Gadara. That's the carnal man. You know, it's an awful thing to be a carnal Christian. You know, it would be like you were living in a slum, in a horrible slum, in filth and all of that, and someone adopted you. And gave you everything, gave you an education, gave you a home, gave you the opportunity to be clean, but you still wanted to live in the filth and you go back to it. You know, it is an amazing thing. Um, Let me get real specific here for a second. It's an amazing thing to see Christian kids want to live like rappers. You know, me and my dog got into a fight, so I hit him in the head. It is an amazing thing. Do you understand where that comes from? 
the filthiest, the dirtiest, the lowest, the most debauched aspect of our culture. And I'm just telling you, you're not going to get a job talking like that, dressing like that, looking like that. I mean, you'll get a job, just not one that pays anything, you know, unless you become a rapper. <laughs> Am I right, parents? Am I right? Yes. Yes. Pull your pants up. <laughs> it, it's funny, and the older you get, the higher they go. I saw one of our... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> you know, one of the benefits of going, growing up in a Christian home is I've never had to experience the baseness of that culture. You know what I'm talking about? And so for young people, it may seem glamorous. They make it look glamorous in videos and things like that. Now, through the bus ministry, through working in inner cities and ministry, I've gotten to see what it's actually like. Young people, please listen to me. You don't want it. It is horrible. So you know what it would be like? It would be like the prodigal son who had everything. He ends up eating pig slop. It would be like him saying, hey, this is better than godliness. I'm going to stay here. Eat and slop with the pigs. That's the carnal man. You know, the saved person can live like that. But we want so much more for you young people. We want so much more for you. Um, now, let's look at 1 Corinthians 3. Look at verse 1. <clears throat> And what's interesting is when I preach around the country in different churches, I often feel this way. All right, so we'll read this passage and you'll see what I mean. And I, brethren, notice that word. What is that third word? Okay, let's, let's try and read. And I, what? Brethren. brethren. So he's speaking to Christians, right? And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto what? Even as unto babes in Christ. Have you ever met somebody that never grew up? Isn't that a sad thing? I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are, are ye able. It's interesting, often when I preach in other places, I feel like I have to define every word. You know, we've, we've established a baseline of knowledge through discipleship and Bible teaching here. I'll go some places and I'll ask a question. Okay, and be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye. And that happens when I preach in other churches. Just exactly that right there. Okay, let's try this again. And be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye. It is, it's a bummer when I'm preaching in places. I heard Mark Trotter one time. He was preaching and he said, he asked a question like that and he said, can't you read? That's the, that's the way that you feel, you know? And that's, that's Paul. That's what he's running into as he's talking to this church at Corinth. Verse 2 again, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, 
For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? So you're living in a worldly way. That's what Paul is saying. So how is this man described? This man is angry. He's jealous, unforgiving. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you know Christians that are angry, jealous, and unforgiving? Right? I hope it's not you. Are you angry, jealous, and unforgiving? That means you're carnal. Are we supposed to be angry as Christians? Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Are we supposed to be jealous? No. No. Are we supposed to be unforgiving? Forgiving one another as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We're not supposed to hold these things and be bitter. But the carnal man is all of those things. He's self-centered. The frequent and long-lasting divisions between himself and those in the church testify to everyone else that he is living like an unsaved man. It's so interesting when people leave the church. Now, let's get specific. I'm not talking about leaving Christianity. I'm talking about leaving Grace Baptist Church. They'll leave Grace Baptist Church. And I just want you to know the reason they give you is almost never the reason. Right? They leave, and the next thing you know, just living in sin. Might be drinking again. Might be leaving their wife, leaving their husband, living a life that is just not right. What is that? It's carnality. Now, here, let me be very clear. We're not perfect. We mess up. Anybody here ever messed up in a relationship with someone at Grace Baptist? I, as your pastor, there have been times when I've not done things that I should have done in interacting with people. But I can tell you this, all I've ever wanted for anyone at Grace Baptist Church is the best. I want the best for you. That's what I want. I want the best for my family. I want the best for your family. And that's the best as exhibited in Scripture. So this person has all kinds of trouble with everybody in the church, and it's always everybody else's fault. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Would you raise your hand if you know exactly what I'm talking about? Man, are we perfect? No. Are there things that we could do better? Yes. Pastor Nathan and I talk about that all the time. How many things he could do better? So, look, he refuses to see the consequences of his actions. That's the carnal man. That's the carnal man. Let's look at Galatians 6. Look at verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Wow. For he that soweth to his what? Flesh shall of the what? Reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. It is interesting how often you'll see somebody, they leave church and you see them a little while later, and they actually look physically bad. You know what I'm talking about? Have you all seen that? It's like you see a physical change. I'm not talking about somebody who goes to another Bible preaching church. That's not what I'm talking about. Grace Baptist Church isn't for everybody. I I recognize that. What I'm talking about are people that they just get into sin and they get out of church. Man, they do reap corruption. All right? The carnal Christian gives his life for temporal battles. Not spiritual battle, temporal battles. He has a greater interest in the things of the flesh than in things affecting the souls of men. Let's all read this one out loud. Let's read it out loud together. He has greater interest in the things of the flesh than in things affecting the souls of men. 
Isn't it an awful thing for somebody to get mad at somebody in church, get out of church, and their extended family never gets to come to Christ because of that? How many of you think that's selfish? Isn't that selfish? We have to stay right with God. Now, let me say something right here. You might be thinking, I know who he's talking about. Man, there are dozens of them, maybe hundreds of them. You don't, I'm not talking about an individual person. This is a composite of a bunch of different people. Look, we've got to stay right with God because we could be the next one. And we need to care more about the souls of men than whether or not somebody complimented our suit or whatever. Right? Conclusion, every Baptist's favorite word. Two men, inward and outward, they're at war with each other. Three men, the natural man, he's lost. The spiritual man, he's saved and surrendered to the spirit. And then the carnal man. Saved and mired in the flesh and this world. Who are you? Who are you? Are you the natural man? Do you need to get saved? Are you a spiritual person walking in the Spirit? Or are you a carnal person, a saved person, minding the things of the flesh? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Grace Baptist Church and these faithful people here tonight.